0: Hello and welcome to Crofting Matters, topical discussions for crofting throughout the year. This is our autumn edition and for this month I'm speaking to Sarah Balfour and we're talking about buying breeding stock, it's that time of year. Hi Sarah, are you buying in stock at the moment for home?
1: At home at the moment, as what happens uh, most years in September and October, buy in breeding yows. we tend not to buy cattle at this time of year do try and breed our own replacements as much as possible at this time of year if we were to be buying breeding stock it would be a new stock bull, which we don't need this year and we do occasionally buy a pedigree heifer from the pedigree sales uh, just to change bloodlines and introduce new bloodlines to the pedigree herd and what breed of cattle do you have so the pedigrees are, there's a limousine herd, a small herd of anguses and then they're run alongside my own pedigree herd of Blues. And your sheep? The sheep that we have at home are all hill cheviots that are bought out of Dingwall and Lairg and they're crossed with the Suffolk and Beltics
0: tups. When you're buying breeding stock, what are your considerations? What do you think about first?
1: First of all, and I think the most important thing to consider is health and the potential risk of buying in disease or introducing a disease to your herd or your flock as buying in livestock. It can be risky and it's the most likely way of introducing disease or external, internal parasites to, as I said, your herd or flock. So health status is something that's extremely important. And for anyone going to the mart, um, looking to buy breeding stock, health status should definitely be a top priority disease outbreaks, they can be costly and it can have a long-lasting effect on the herd or flock.
0: Which diseases should folk look out for?
1: So some of the, the main diseases to be thinking about with cattle would be lepto, BVD, Neospora and also Yoni's disease. So cattle that are sold through breeding sales from herds, which are either members of health schemes or testing for diseases such as Yoni's, this information is usually available in the catalogue. And just while we're discussing Yoni's, Yoni's disease actually has a risk level. So herds which are testing or are in a health scheme for Yoni's disease um, are given a classification, a risk level from one to five. So herds which are classed as risk level one are herds which are accredited free of Yoni's disease. When buying from these herds, they pose the least risk, the lowest risk of buying in and introducing Yoni's disease to your herd. And that goes right down to risk level five. Risk level five is classed as the highest level of risk because those herds are not actually testing for Yoni's. So they don't have a classification for the disease. Things to be aware of as well are external and internal parasites, so lice, ringworm, lungworm, liver fluke. And with sheep, the big one, the main thing to consider would be sheep scalp. You mentioned
0: Neospora. Would anyone be able to tell whether cattle they were buying had been exposed to Neospora?
1: Neospora, there is a test, so cattle can be tested and then they can be sold clear. of of Neospora. Again, cattle can also be tested clear of IBR, Lepto, all the main diseases.
0: Are you in a cattle health scheme at home?
1: We are. We've been members of a health scheme now um, since 2008. Our herd is accredited free of BVD and we're also accredited free of Yonis. So we have a risk level one status for Yonis.
0: Oh, very good. How do you know the health status on the day of sale for things like BVD and lepto?
1: So on large sale days, for example, a bull sale or a large pedigree breeding sale, At the start of the catalogue, there'll be the health declaration section. So for every person that is selling an animal in that sale, their herd health status will be classified. And it will tell you, say, if they're BVD accredited. It will usually tell you for how long they've been accredited. If they are vaccinating their sale animals, it will usually tell you when they were vaccinated and what vaccine was used the same for for yonis it'll tell you if they're monitoring for ibr or lepto for example and it will also give you the herd tb status but for smaller um sales or uh, fortnightly breeding sales at your local market again there will be information in the catalog but it might not be as detailed it might simply say the herd has tested clear of yonis that year for example So the best thing to do would be to talk to the seller, ask as many questions, ask anything that you want to know about that animal before you you buy it.
0: And for diseases that are monitored and aren't in a health scheme, what's the best course of action?
1: Again, if there's anything that you're concerned about, for example, routine vaccinations for, say, lungworm or or lice, again, talk to the seller, ask them, you know, what their protocols are for routine vaccinations.
0: So as for cattle, you're only buying one or two. And so speaking to the sellers, easier. For sheep, what do you recommend if you're buying in breeding ewes, for instance, or gimmers or hogs? So at this
1: time of year, there's a lot of sheep sales which are taking place up and down the country. Again, these sales, they tend to be really busy and it's not quite as easy sometimes to talk to the person selling selling the sheep. But generally, when they come into the ring to be sold, the auctioneer will sort of make an announcement to say that they've been dipped, they've been dozed and usually will say that, you know, if they've been warmed or whatever, just to, to give you a sort of idea of what treatments those animals have had.
0: For crofters buying for the first time, what are your top tips? How do you go about it? What should you look out for? How do you actually purchase something at the mart?
1: If it's your first time going to the mart, I would say get there early. Get to know your way about the mart because it might be that it's the first time you've actually been to the mart itself. By getting to the mart early, it allows you you know, to have plenty of time to get out the back go through the livestock pens, look at the cattle or sheep that are for sale. It gives you time to decide which lot numbers that you're interested in. You can mark them in the catalogue and get into the mart early. And good time before the sale also means you have plenty of time to talk to the sellers as well and ask any other questions that you might have. Other tips would be set yourself a budget. It's very easy to get carried away at the mart and especially... If it's your first time, it's quite exciting. There's quite a buzz around. So I would try and and set a budget and try and stick to it. Again, when you've been out the back looking at the pens and and looking at stock that you're potentially interested in and might like to buy, select quite a few lots so that if you you don't get your first batch of yows, for example, you've got another batch that you're potentially interested in so that you're not limiting yourself to what you're going to buy. Other things to, to think about, get out the back, see the stock, talk to the seller. You might want to actually introduce yourself to the auctioneer as well if there's a chance, just so he knows who you are and that you're potentially looking to buy on that day. For breeding sales that are happening at this time of year, in most cases you won't need to have registered to have a bidding number at sales, like sort of rare breed sales. Um, markets ask that potential buyers register at the office before the sale starts. To, to get a bidding number and you use that when you're trying to bid and buy stock. But at these breeding sales that are happening weekly up and down the country, in most cases you, you won't need a bidding number to be able to, to bid for stock.
0: So if you're given a bidding number, are you given a slip of paper to hold up?
1: Yes, yeah, so some markets will issue you with a bidding number. As I said, this is more when it's sales such as the poultry sales or uh, rare breed sales, when um, a good mix of people from all over can be coming to the mark, which the, un- the auctioneer is unlikely to know.
0: And how do the auctioneers know who you are at any other sale if you're bidding for the first time and you're just sticking your hand up and you don't have a number?
1: So the auctioneer generally... And most of these sales will have a good idea who buyers are or who's interested in buying stock. They may have spoke to you previously. They might know um, your croft name or your farm name. But if they're unsure after you've bought a lot or bought a pen of sheep, then they can send over you know, another member of staff just to ask for your details so it can then be recorded in the book that the auctioneer has in front of him. So after he sells any lot, he writes down the price and the buyer's name.
0: As the bidding goes on, auctioneers, they rattle off the numbers so quickly. So if you're a first time person and your (laughs) ear's not tuned in, how do you cope with that?
1: Again, that's another reason to get to the mark early and ahead of sale day so that you can sort of take time to sit and and listen at the start of the sale and just sort of get your ear and get your eye in to see what happens on sale
0: day. Sometimes you see sale reports and animals have been sold in guineas and other times in pounds. So what makes the difference? Why guineas sometimes and pounds other times? And what is a guinea?
1: So traditionally, pedigree stock is sold in guineas And a guinea is equivalent to one pound and five pence. So a pedigree bull sale or a pedigree tup sale, bulls, tups, pedigree gimmers, pedigree heifers will all be sold in guineas. For example, if you go to the tup sale, you buy your tup, the ring price, the hammer price is 950 guineas. That equates to you paying 997 pounds, 50 pence for that sheep. Selling breeding sheep, for example, an ordinary uh, sheep sale, they are sold on a per head basis. So if you buy your batch of sheep and the hammer price is a hundred pounds, that's a hundred pounds per head. So if you've got fifty sheep in that lot at a hundred pounds, that's five thousand pounds that you'll pay for those fifty yows. So with cows and calves at foot, the ring price is for the outfit. So for example. Uh, Your cow and calf comes into the ring, you buy her at £2,600. It's £2,600 that you pay for that heifer and her calf.
0: How would the first-time buyer know that that's the case? So is it just depends on, you know, if it's a pedigree sale, it's going to be in Guineas. If it's a sheep sale, you're going to be buying per head. And if it's cattle in the ring, you're going to be buying for all the cattle in the ring?
1: Generally, the pedigree sales, the sale method will be guineas, so it will be your one pound and five pence. At the start of the, the catalogue, there will usually be a sort of terms and conditions page, and it will stipulate that these cattle will be sold in guineas. If you're unsure, talk to the yard staff, talk to the auctioneer um, before the sale starts. Uh, and generally, as the auctioneer is about to sell a lot, he will announce if they're being sold in guineas or in pounds. But generally, at a weekly store sale, for example, there's five cattle in the ring, whether they're heifers or bullocks and the ring price, for those is, is say, £1,000, then you're paying £1,000 per head in the same way that we described earlier, that you're paying £100 per head for those breeding
0: yows. Who pays the commission? Is it the seller or the buyer, and what exactly is a luck penny?
1: So commission is the fee that's charged to the seller. The market charges the seller a fee for selling their stock, which is called commission. A luck penny is an old-fashioned term. It's a gesture, a thank you from the seller to the buyer. It's seen as being good luck to give a luck penny after they've bought
0: your cattle, your bull, or a penny your sheep. And is that just at pedigree sales or is that at all sales?
1: It's certainly more common at the pedigree sales, but no, it still can happen at a weekly store sale. A luck penny can be left in the office when you go to collect your passports and you pay for your your stock. You might get luck inside your envelope or the seller may come round and and hand you a luck penny after the sale.
0: OK, because how would you know who's bought your stock?
1: The auctioneer will announce the name or the farm name of the person who has bought your stock. And again, you can ask in the office for who bought certain lots if you don't know.
0: So Sarah, once you've bought your stock, you've raised your hand up and the auctioneer's noticed you and you've submitted your offer and it's been accepted. What then? How do you get your animal home? Where does it go once it's gone through the sale ring? What happens in practice?
1: We'll start with what happens after you've bought, say, your pen of sheep. So you've bought your pen of yow's, they'll come back out the ring, they'll go back to the back penning. At the fall of the hammer, the auctioneer will have made a note of who's bought that sheep. So he will know who they've been sold to and for how much. And that will also have been recorded by the auctioneer's clerk, the person that's sitting beside them, usually on the computer. So all that information is then fed back through to the main office. So once you've bought your pen of sheep or once you're finished buying for the day, you go to the office to then settle up your bill. And at that point as well, you might need to arrange haulage if you haven't taken um, you know, your own float or trailer with you to take them home yourselves. They will also ask you in the office the holding number uh, that the sheep or the cattle are being moved on to and, and to keep note of movement so we know where where stocks
0: gone to after the market. When you say arrange haulage, say you go along and you don't know if you're going to buy something or not, and then you end up buying 20 ewes and it's more than your trailer can hold. Can you just arrange haulage there and then?
1: So when you go to the office to to pay for your purchase, one of the other questions they'll ask will be, are you taking them home yourselves? Have you arranged haulage? At that point, you could then say, no, I've... I've bought more than I can hold in my own um, livestock trailer. I need haulage and the mart will be able to help you and arrange with a local haulier to get those sheep back to where they need to go. And usually on the big sale days, there is a number of hauliers there in the office. You know, they're waiting for their jobs. They're waiting for for their loads.
0: And if you're loading them up yourself, then do you just go to the back of the mart and wait in a queue? How does that part of it work? How do the sheep get to you and your trailer?
1: So when you've bought your sheep and you've paid for them in the office, you'll be given your sales receipt, but you'll also be given your pass, your pass out document. And that's for you then to be allowed to remove those sheep or that pen of cattle from the market. So you then get yourself and your trailer to the loading banks. There'll be uh, march staff, yard staff waiting at the loading banks for this pass out, this pass document. You give it to them, show it to them, that will correspond with the lot numbers that you've bought and they'll go and get your stock for you, take it to the loading banks, give you a hand to get loaded and send you on your way.
0: Once you're home then with your new stock, what should you be thinking of in terms of quarantine?
1: So regardless of if you're buying cattle or sheep, all new animals should be quarantined after uh, purchased. So they need to be kept separately from stock that you already have on farm. So this is to allow for vaccinations and routine treatments to be carried out, which you're already doing on farm yourself, which is part of your own health plan or part of your own management. The new stock should be quarantined in a field or a shed and have no nose to nose contact with existing stock on the farm. Another reason for quarantining new stock It's to allow them time to settle into their new surroundings and the quarantine should be for three weeks.
0: So your quarantine is just to make sure that you're not introducing anything like resistant worms or any new disease and you can notice diseases. We've talked about bull management before. So for anybody who is thinking of buying a bull now at the next bull sales, which will be coming up soon, what should they be looking for?
1: Yeah, that's right, Shavon. So the next main bull sales take place in October next month. And for any crofter or a farmer that's planning to go to the bull sales to potentially purchase a new stock bull, again, like with going to any breeding sale, I would say that it's important to get to the sale early. If you can, I would definitely be wanting to go to the pre-show When you get the opportunity to see these bulls out alongside other bulls of a similar age, you can get to see the bulls being paraded. You get to see them walking. You can assess them for locomotion. You can compare them with bulls of a similar age for confirmation, for size. Uh, I'd say give yourself plenty of time at a bull sale. Again, ask the seller as many questions as you want. Don't be worried about asking questions. When we go to the bull sales, I know personally we're quite happy to answer questions and you know folk come in and out the pen asking various different things about the bulls that you have there for sale the bull sale catalogs tend to be available online a couple of weeks before the sale Um, so it's a good idea to have a look at the catalog before you go down to the sale and maybe potentially have picked a short list of bulls already based on traits that you might be looking for if it's a bull that you want to breed uh, heifers from, you're going to be looking at maternal traits. So milk, calvinies, all those sort of things. You can have that marked in the catalogue along with their health status so that when you get down on the sale day, you've already got a short list in mind and you can prioritise looking at those bulls first. I'd really say give yourself plenty of time because a bull sale can, uh, can be a really busy, hectic day.
0: What sort of questions do you get asked?
1: Quite often with the and bulls, people want to know how easy, you know, the calf was born, how easy that bull was born. Um, you know, if he's if he's sire, is he easy calving. Um, we get quite a lot of questions as well about the mother. So, what type of cow is the mother? You know, is she a big cow, is she a milky cow. Um, again, questions about health status. We quite often get asked whether we've used the bull. So, you know, has he been tried on heifers? Has he has he served something? For us, um, we show a lot of cattle throughout the summer months. And again, we do tend to get asked as well, did you show that bull? How did he get on? All sorts of questions.
0: There are a few terms that first-time buyers might wonder about. Things like dispersal sale. What's a dispersal sale? Is it something that folk need to be worried about?
1: So a dispersal sale is a sale of stock from a farm or from a croft. It's been sold for the final time. So it might be that they're having a change in farming policy and that the stock is being sold. It might be due to a retirement that the person's given up the farm, so they're selling their stock. No, it's it's not anything to be to be worried about, but bear in mind that with a dispersal sale, more often than not, the auctioneer will announce that the stock are being sold under dispersal conditions, which might mean, for example, if you buy a cow with a calf at foot and you're told at the point of sale that she's been running with the bull, therefore could potentially be in calf, it means that there's no guarantee that she is in calf. So if it turns out when you get your you know, get your new purchase, get your cow home and she isn't actually in calf, you don't have a comeback because it's dispersal conditions and um, she wasn't sold to be guaranteed in calf. And
0: if you're buying a cow, and it's not at a dispersal sale but at a normal sale and it says she's in calf and then she turns out not to be. What happens then?
1: You would then get back in touch um with the market or with the auctioneer who sold that cow and explain I bought this cow on this sale day from whoever and say that she was sold in calf, say she was scanned, PD'd in calf two to three months. You get her home and for whatever reason she's, you know, she's PD'd again or it gets past the point when she should have given birth. can then get back in touch with the mark, with the auctioneer and explain that there's a bit of an issue, you've you've got a problem and then they will sort it out for you.
0: And does the same thing happen with bulls then? If you're buying a bull and it turns out to be infertile, what then?
1: Again, if you buy a bull and he, he turns out to be infertile or for whatever reason he doesn't work, it depends on whether you've insured that bull. So if the buyer insures his bull for fertility, then he's covered. If that bull turns out to be infertile, if you haven't covered him for fertility, you are covered through breeder's warranty, but there is
0: a set period when you have to make that claim. And other phrases such as cast dues, draft dues, what's the difference
1: So a cast ewe
0: is an older ewe,
1: which is nearing the end of being productive, nearing the end of her breeding life. Um, And it may be that she's come from a a sort of upland, quite tough hill farm. So these yows are sold as cast, as draft ewes, and they tend to be bought by lowland farms and kept for a year or so to give a crop of lambs. Those sort of yows, they tend to be older and they're just not suited anymore to the sort of harsh upland climate. Uh, They're not to be confused with a cow yow, because a cow yow is one which has reached the end of her breeding life. So she's classed as being no longer productive um, and she's sold as a a cow yow.
0: And of course, everyone around the country uses different phrases. So if you're a first time buyer, there's no shame in asking what exactly is meant Because every bit of Scotland, and especially differences between Scotland and England, there's always differences in terminology, aren't there?
1: Yeah, that's right. Again, at different sales, different terminology will be used, whether it's a breeding sale, and yes, it will be cast jows if it's a a sort of a fat sheep sale, then that tends to be when you'll you'll get your cull traded. So, yeah, again, ask any questions. Ask as much questions as as you need to on sale day. There'll always mm-hmm. be someone on hand to to answer your questions, whether it's the the mart staff, office staff, the auctioneer, or another farmer, a fellow crofter, um, or the person
0: selling the stock. Yeah, there's no such thing as a daft question, I don't think. And what about, you see ewes that are sold as broken-mouthed or being correct, what are all those phrases meaning?
1: Yes, so especially at this time of year when there's a lot of sheep sales taking place, um, there's a lot of um, breeding sheep sales, and you will quite commonly see in the catalogue mouth, correct below, or it's something that the auctioneer announces. So for yows that are broken-mouthed, it means that their teeth have started to break, started to fall out, but otherwise they're in good condition um, and they would be better suited again to a lowland farm not an upland hill situation. Yows which are classed as being correct below means that the others are good they're still good productive sheep.
0: And if you're buying a pen of hogs or a pen of gimmers you'd expect everything to be correct wouldn't you?
1: Yes and again if for any reason, when you check over those gimmers, when you take them home and you find that there is something wrong with another or a bag, you would need to get back in touch with the mart or the auctioneer and just raise this with them.
0: Well, there's lots of sales coming up, so hopefully this is a help for folk who are purchasing for the first time or seasoned buyers. Are there any more resources on the FAS website that we can point people to?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good resources on the FAS website associated with buying and selling at the Mart. There's a really good fact sheet, which is all about buying stock, selling stock for the first time. So next month, we're going to cover uh, selling stock. and um, We're going to discuss how to batch animals for sale, whether it's calves or lambs. Um, we'll talk about stock presentation, give an insight into what buyers are looking for. And again, there is a really handy guide on the FAS website about this at the moment.
0: Excellent. Look forward to it. Thanks very much. Thanks, Shobhan. Thanks for joining us for Crofting Matters. If you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe and share. There's more information in the show notes below. You might also enjoy our other podcasts, such as Stock Talk, with timely advice and expertise. Join us next month for the next edition of Crofting Matters.
1: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.